the, uh, this Southern African initiative is, is kind of complex, and so we got some video from our partners in Africa, and we were able to put together a, really an explanatory video to help you understand how this thing even works. We've been at it a couple years, uh, but so enjoy this video, and then I'll come back and introduce Isaac for you. The Southern African Church Planting Initiative, SACPI, capacitates indigenous African leaders to establish sustainable reproducing churches in rural areas of sub-Saharan Africa. This is accomplished through four converging streams, in-country partnerships with Director Isaac Soda, planting churches with Director John Mutandwa, resourcing economic development with Tendai Kashangura, and international partnerships with Director Mad Foyers. Step one. Existing African Bible and Ministry Training Schools are vetted and approved by Bishop Isaac Soto. I am passionate about uh, accuracy in terms of doctrinal evangelism. There's been a lot of uh, wrong gospels being preached in Africa and in Zimbabwe in particular. And so I'm so concerned that the gospel as it is expressed in the Word of God is the gospel that will be taught. So. I want to see the training of church planters who will go out with the gospel, the evangelical sound gospel to the needy world. That is where my heart is and I hope that during my tenure here on earth I will be able to capacitate uh, young people and who will be able to go out into our world and preach the gospel. Step two, vetted students from approved schools are trained in church planting and small business by SACPI directors. Step three, Pastor John Mutandwa goes with planters to approved locations to plant and establish rural churches. What I do in SACPI is to plant churches. Uh, how do I plant churches? Uh, I go to a place, I assess the place, uh, after assessing the places, the, if the place is uh, conducive for church planting, then I give my recommendations that we should go there and plant uh, the church. After that, then um, I go with uh, those selected uh, church planters, like two past, uh, church planters. Then we, we go there and do some witnessing, the door-to-door -door witnessing according uh, to what I have researched, the model of uh, evangelism we should do there. So most of uh, our evangelism we will be doing door-to-door uh, -door evangelism, person-to-person -person evangelism, then we plant. Planting is like now we lay a seed. After laying the seed, then we leave it to the church planters whom we have trained before they start so that they should go and disciple those people. Step four, a partnering pastor from the U.S. is personally involved with each church planter and resources them through consistently praying, encouraging, promoting, visiting, and communicating while director John Mutandwa simultaneously provides on-site church planter training. But I'm excited about the Southern Africa Church Planting Initiative. For one, I love partnering with, with indigenous pastors around the world, and me as a pastor here, building a relationship with pastor or pastors in Africa, and having that back and forth and communication, and then growing that bond of love and affection and 
trust between uh, pastor, pastors there and pastors here, um, and churches in Africa and churches here. Um, I also love that there is an economic development piece alongside the church planting. Step five. In their third month, church planters submit a business plan for approval and are gifted business capital to start sustainable personal businesses through the U.S.-based ministry, Rock Forward. Uh, my heart is uh, transforming lives and making sure people are removed from poverty. So I enjoy working with disadvantaged groups, helping them to uh, have the economic empowerment. Uh, normally, I work with the poor, the disabled, uh, the orphans and the widows, uh, helping them to start businesses, those with the existing small businesses, helping them to grow those businesses so that they are able to live a life uh, that is pleasing to God. Also, one of the great things that we do is we also want to make sure as we are empowering them to do business, we also teach them biblical principles in our business. So we do business training, which focuses on doing business in God's way. Step six, church planters identify and train a senior elder as an unpaid associate pastor, who will then receive business training to start a sustainable personal business of his own in the village. Step seven, over the span of two years, the church planters business revenue grows and compensation is reduced until the planter is self-sustained. At the same time, the church members receive small business training and go through a similar process. Step eight, after two years, the pastor and his congregation are folded into an approved in-country denomination or network as a member church. So these churches that are planted in the rural areas of Southern Africa as a part of the SACPI do not extend a Western brand at all. They are led by indigenous pastors and folded into an in-country denomination where they can be sustainable and long-term centers of the gospel. If you'd like to partner with us in any way in this amazing um, initiative, please go to our SACPI Facebook page. You'll see a list there of multiple ways you can partner, whether it's sponsoring a church plant or sponsoring a pastor in training, maybe an investment in that pastor starting a small business, all these opportunities are listed there. Thanks for listening and joining with us. The SACPI, resourcing leaders to expand the rural church in Africa. Now, before we hear Brother Isaac bring the word to us this morning, let me contextualize it for you a little bit because it's so much different than when we heard Sam a few weeks ago from India. A very different context. There's a lot of Christians in Africa. But those churches are mainly in the cities, and the rural areas have kind of been forgotten. And as just histories unfolded throughout sub-Saharan Africa, as countries have gained their independence from British or the French, um, oftentimes there's violence there, and missionaries tended to leave and maybe not come back. And so some of these rural areas, there's just no gospel there. But these people know that it, the gospel exists, and they know the scripture exists, and they want it, and they're hungry for it. So what we are trying to do is work through these indigenous leaders to go to those rural areas and plant churches. But unfortunately, we're not the only ones that are trying to make an impact in this region of the world. When we're there on a Sunday, if you guys ever go with us and you're driving in a car just out in the rural areas, you will see every few kilometers, uh, maybe a group of 20, 30 people all dressed in white meeting under a tree. 
And these little groups are led by false prophets who are trying to manipulate and exploit and take advantage of these people with false gospel. The prosperity gospel is rampant in southern Africa. I had an African pastor tell me a few years ago, the most significant gift the Western church gave to Africa is the prosperity gospel. And he didn't say that in, with favor because this is a false gospel that these false prophets are taking and trying to exploit people in the region. So it's so important that we have partners like Brother Isaac, and he's going to bring us a word this morning of the pure gospel and the importance of taking that to these villages. And I asked another one of our partners just a few weeks ago, um, I asked him, I said, do, do the people in the rural areas kind of feel abandoned by the Western church? And he said, no, that's not a strong enough word. I said, well, what is? He said, they feel betrayed. I went, oh, that just made my heart ache. So the work is just not finished there yet. But praise God that we have partners like this who can be way more effective than we could ever be as Western missionaries. And so we are resourcing them and sending them. And you're going to hear now the heart of this man, Isaac Soda. An incredible godly man, brilliant man, committed to the purity of the gospel. Now he's going to make a reference to um, the first chapter of Acts early in this video, that's not correct. The, the, the sermon text is really from Romans. So when he says Acts, go to Romans 1. Um, but enjoy um, this pure message and get to know the heart of Brother Isaac. Well, greetings, brothers and sisters, in the wonderful name of Jesus. How good it is for me to come to you today. Uh, on this very special day. My name is Isaac Soda from Harare, Zimbabwe. I'm also the Bishop of the Evangelical Church of Zimbabwe and a partner with Southern African Church Planting Initiative. This is why we are here today. It is my joy to spend a little time with you in the Word to motivate you to be involved, to be engaged in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ the world over. So I do trust and hope that at the end of this message, all of us will be motivated to be active in one way or another in fulfilling the Great Commission. The text for today is uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 14 to 17, and the theme is motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ, motivated by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll read the text and then we will get into some explanation. Acts chapter 1 verses uh, 14 to 17, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Shall we pray before we go any further. Father God, we thank you so much because you are a God who is loving. You loved humanity so much so that you 
gave your son Jesus Christ, who upon his death on the cross of Calvary, we have hope to be reconciled to you. And I just want to pray, Lord, for this short message as we will be uh, looking at your word that you will speak to our hearts and motivate us so that we become the kind of men and women you want us to be. These things I ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So we are talking about being motivated by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today's people are fascinated generally with power in different forms. It may be political power, electric power, atomic power, leadership power, cohesive power, all kinds of powers. There is that fascination with power because power has the ability to, to change things, to shift things, to make things happen. For that is the definition of uh, power the ability to do something, the ability to cause something to happen is power. So today, we want to look at uh, not all these powers that I've talked about, but we want to look at yet another power, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is unfortunate that in many quarters, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been overshadowed by other things. It has been understood to mean one thing in another place and to mean yet another thing in another. But let's just take some time here to look at how, how Paul puts it in this uh, very, spo very special uh, verse today. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation. So the gospel is God's power. It is God's power that leads to salvation. And Christ's death on the cross of Calvary was to bring about salvation. And salvation is talking about transformation, inward transformation. For we know that the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. That's change that comes when a person accepts Jesus, when a person believes in the gospel of Jesus. And the gospel works like nothing else. No other power can change a man from the inside out. All other powers may try to change men from outside inward, but it really doesn't work. If it works, it's only but temporal. But the power of the gospel is such that it changes a man from the inside. When a man believes in Jesus, when a person accepts Jesus, and Jesus comes to dwell in them, then that person is a new creation. Let's think about Paul's testimony. He will say about himself that, on the road to Damascus, after he had received authority to go and destroy the church, he met with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, his life was changed. He was no longer Saul as he was known in the past, but he became Paul because he met with the Savior. So the coming of the Lord into one's life is so significant that it changes people. 
And that is why Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. That is the primary purpose. There are other benefits if you want, and we'll talk about that a little later. But the primary reason why God sent his son is for that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is about receiving Jesus. It is about accepting the gospel as it is expressed uh, in the scriptures. We will not open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, where Paul shares with the Corinthians what the gospel is about, what happens when uh, a person believes in Christ. But you and I know as evangelicals that when we receive Jesus, our lives are touched, our lives are transformed, and we are what we are today because we believed in Jesus. Now, where does the confusion come from? I talked earlier about how the gospel is misunderstood, the power of the gospel is misunderstood in so many quarters. Well, we would like to look at a few things here about why we are, why people are so confused to where they put the cart before the horse, to where we major in minors. Of course, we know that the gospel has the power to transform lives. And the gospel comes with miraculous powers. And those can be demonstrated in multiple ways. But the danger here is people then tend to focus on the other things that are not the gospel. Things like receiving healing, miracles, prosperity, and all the other things that the gospel can bring. Our problem is you put the cart before the horse. Well, uh, in Zimbabwe, we, we, we have a word that we use that's called bonus. When a person goes to the market and they want to buy tomatoes, they, they are told uh, a dollar for these so many tomatoes, and then they say, uh, well, I would like to buy tomatoes worth two dollars instead. The person who is selling the tomatoes will say, ah, okay, if you buy tomatoes for $2, I will give you a bonus. I will give you an extra tomato. I will give you maybe two extra tomatoes. We call those, that in Zimbabwe, a bonus. It's what happens after the transaction has, been, has taken place. Now, a bonus only comes after a transaction. You don't get a bonus before a transaction. You only get your bonus after a transaction. And so people then who mistakenly focus more on the bonus but than the transaction. They want to receive the healing, the miracles, the prosperity outside of the gospel, outside of Christ. Well, we know very well that Mark chapter 16 tells us that these are miracles will follow them who believe. Those who read the Bible will understand what I'm talking about. Yes, indeed, miracles come, but ah, miracles must always follow. They are not the main thing. They are not the emphasis. When we make miracles the main thing, then those miracles will shroud, will uh, overshadow the true gospel that transforms life, which is what Paul says is the power of the gospel. 
This phenomena may be less common in the Western uh, worlds, but in Africa in particular, the phenomena of moving towards that which is mysterious, that which cannot be explained. Because in Africa, there is a lot of belief in witchcraft and other things. Well, though that is common in Africa, but it's not peculiar for our time. I just want to take you back to the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 9, and, uh, 9 to 13, where we will see Simon, who is confusing the power of God for the power of magic, because he was a magician. Please come with me and we'll read here in Acts chapter 8 from verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed people of Samaria, saying that he himself was someone great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God. That is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip and he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both women and men. Even Simon himself believed and being baptized he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. I will skip a few verses here and go to verse 18. Now when Simon saw the spirit was, that the Spirit was given through the laying of hands by the apostles, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. This was way back when the church was just in its infancy, when the church was just beginning to be. These powers were in operation already, the mystical powers and uh, magical powers because we know their source being the devil and uh, those powers were there back then, and they are still in operation today. So the confusion about the power of the gospel comes when a person is no longer putting the gospel as the main thing, but they bring all these other things as the main thing. I passionately talk about this because I've seen that Southern Africa has been invaded by false prophets, people who have emerged some of them from outside the church, some of them from within the church. And they have claimed to have known God in a special way and have been given prophetic powers and uh, uh, healing powers and powers to manifest and do great things. And many have followed them. Thousands of thousands go to them because they speak about a power, another power, which is not necessarily the power of the gospel. So what shall the evangelicals do? Because we believe in the evangel, which is the gospel. But here we have been invaded by forces, forces that are so appealing to many. Surely we cannot lay back. 
Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel. I am passionate about preaching the gospel. He actually says to the Romans, I want to come over there. And my mission is to preach the true gospel so that people would get to know who Jesus Christ is. My brothers and sisters, we have opportunities to promote the preaching of the true gospel. Such opportunities that you and I cannot pass. But we need to respond like Paul and say, because I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I am going to be desirous that many get to hear it. I thank God for partnerships that the Evangelical Church of Zimbabwe has been having over a few years. And uh, these partnerships have helped us refocus uh, on the gospel to the extent that uh, with our partners, we have sought to construct a Bible college. A Bible college at which people uh, will be trained to understand the gospel, the true gospel, and to be able to take it to the nations around Southern Africa. And this is so much on my heart that I appeal to as many as con can contribute to this. We would like to see men and women capacitated, enabled by teaching them the truth and sending them out as church planters within Southern Africa and beyond. So Paul tells us that he was eager to preach the gospel to those who were in Rome. He was aware of the transformative power of the gospel. He was aware that it is only the gospel. Sometimes you hear of nations and uh, communities that are suffering because of so many other issues, poverty, mismanagement of resources. People do suffer. And most of us are moved because we want to help. But the best way we can help transform communities, transform individuals, is the preaching of the gospel of Christ. That which brings about a change from within and not from without. So come with me. Come with us. Let us take the gospel to communities who need it. And let us tell them that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When they receive Christ, they will experience the power of God. And once that is in place, that means their lives, everything about their lives will then begin to be aligned properly. Anyone ashamed of the gospel? Anyone hesitant about the gospel? Anyone hesitating to engage in uh, that which enables the preaching of the gospel? I come to you today to say, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not shy away from efforts that will make the gospel go. Because the gospel, the gospel is the dynamite of God that will rearrange people's lives when they believe in Jesus. Thank you for listening to me today. I hope God will touch your life or has touched your life through this message. God bless.